Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Andrew Musgrove here. I'm joined by John Gibson for our weekly episode looking at Newcastle United. We were going to do a season-long review, but if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you would have heard Aaron Stokes and his two-parter looking back on the season just gone. So myself and John thought what we'd do is, is look at specific subjects within Newcastle United, a chance to look back at how that's gone over the last 12 months or so and what's to come. And John, we've decided to start with Eddie Howe, the Newcastle United manager. Yep. And it's been a remarkable season for him. Of course, not in charge for the full season. He came in, Newcastle were in a horrendous mess, but he came in on the back of the takeover, the jubilant scenes at St. James's Park, the the hope that things are finally going to be different at Newcastle United. Um, didn't quite hit the ground running. Newcastle were in a terrible mess, weren't they? Oh, oh I mean, uh, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it's quite astonishing what he's achieved because... Um, it wasn't even from a standing start. No. We were dragging our feet through through mud, clay, um, you know, hope had left the room. And, and yet we end up, what, 11th and with a fabulous 2022 run. I mean, it's quite, quite astonishing. And maybe he didn't get manager of the year, and I felt he ought to have done. And yes, I mean, while I touted for Eddie, I did write in my columns in the Chronicle that, you know, first choice would be Jurgen Klopp and second would be Pep because the go traditionally for the guys that produced got the big gongs. But what this guy's done from less than a standing start is absolutely astonishing. And if there was manager of the half year, there would be no comparison whatsoever because the second half of the season has been Eddie Howe's totally. And he's done better, I think, than not only what we may expect deep down in our heart, what Newcastle United fans would expect deep down in our heart, but I would suggest what he expected and what the owners expected. I don't mean that Newcastle wouldn't stay up. I think both owners and manager thought they would. But to stay up so spectacularly, so conclusively, is is something that must have been even beyond their wildest dreams. Because you've got to remember that this wasn't a, a gesture sh- signing by new owners. To do that, you would have gone out and tried to get Jose Mourinho or somebody with an established reputation, maybe slightly over the hill, but established reputation. They didn't. They went out and, and got a guy who all his best work was at places like Bournemouth or was exclusively like Bournemouth because it wasn't Burnley. And a lot of people, outsiders, could get cynical about that and say, well, you, what you can do with a club bringing them from the old fourth division up the Premier League might be wonderful. But when you've got the pressure of a huge club with the 50,000 gates, having had 10,000 gates at Bournemouth, it'll be a different ball game. And if we 
just cast our mind back to when he come. And it seems an eternity ago, Andrew, and it's just a few months. There's so much happened, he seems to have been here for yonks, and he hasn't. If you look back to then, the big names touted about, let if you're going to get a young, ambitious manager, is to go for Gerard Lampard. They were the big names uh, because of their big playing careers, which Eddie didn't have. Now, there is absolutely no question that this guy has done better than both of them. He has done because when he come to Newcastle, Eddie Howe, both Everton and Aston Villa were above Newcastle. They have both finished below Newcastle, below Eddie Howe. What Lampard, for all he's touted as the great new manager, his record at Derby, at Chelsea, and now at Everton. Let's look at Gerard, of course, Rangers, but that's a two-horse race. There's, there's only two horses in the race, so you've got a good chance in that situation. At Aston Villa hasn't quite worked out as well as he thought. This guy has done a lot better than the two uh, blue-chip young managers that were around at the time Newcastle were looking. Let's go right back to the start then, when Steve Bruce was relieved of his duties. Graham Jones was put in charge, and the search for Bruce's replacement began. It took a little while to conclude, it looked like United Emery was going to be the man to come in and replace yep. Steve Bruce. Um, obviously, Eddie Howard had the interview, and you know, now it emerges that you know Al Romani, Newcastle's chairman, really liked Eddie Howe. He put in a really good um, interview uh, process. I mean, do you think that would watching their reports come out at the time of your Eddie Howe? How do you deal with that? Do you think you just kind of go, "All right, I mustn't have got the job." And then you, you you watch it unfold, and your phone rings, and then you actually you know we do you know it, it's always been you. We'd like you to get the job, and then you get it. You just then push that out, out of your mind, and you just you it, totally you start. I mean, if you're Eddie Howe and you've done a wonderful job getting a club from the fourth tier into the Premier League, you've done a wonderful job. But you've also ended up with the sack there. You've been out of work for a year or whatever it is. You know that it's not going to be easy to get your foot in to the door of a huge club in England. Yes, he had the chance with Celtic. It's As we say, it's a different ball game up there. It's a two-horse race every season. Um, it's a different game down here. You're going to take knocks on the chin. You're going to go in for jobs and, and just not get them. And you're going to say, all right, enough, I go again. When you get the job, it doesn't bother you whatsoever. And I've talked to a lot of players that become managers down all the years I've been in this game. And their answer was always the same. If I get the job, great. I don't care how many people they went for before me. Either the, the guys didn't want it or they hadn't the guts to take it. or It doesn't matter. The job is mine. And this job was his. And he would... Once we've seen him work now, you can understand how he would impress at that first interview because he does so much homework. He'd spent his time out of a job so well going and watching other clubs train, ma uh, making notes, deciding how he would do things differently next opportunity to come along. His homework is meticulous. So when he went to Newcastle for the interview... 
he would shock them. They wanted Emery, they were willing to talk to him, but he impressed so much at the interview, they went back to him when the Emery thing went pear-shaped, and I'm delighted the Emery thing did go pear-shaped, because it couldn't have gone any better under him than it's gone under Eddie Howe. But he would impress because he is terrific on detail. There was a lot of talk about gambles, you know, that it was a gamble for Newcastle yep. to go out on Eddie Howe, given how it ended at Bournemouth. It's obviously a gamble. I mean, I don't ever think it was a gamble, but if it was, it's paid off really well. Did you ever buy into that approach? It depends what you mean by the word gamble. Every appointment as a manager is a gamble. There's absolutely no question. And at a much, much lower level, I have done that. For 10 years at at Gateshead, I interviewed people that had good reputations in football and have been top players like... Tommy Cassidy, I interviewed uh, McGovern, the Derby County, uh, Nottingham Forest guy that won the European Cup. Uh, I interviewed Jim Platt, who was the World Cup goalkeeper for, for Northern Ireland. And you talk to them, you go away, you think about it. Every appointment is a gamble. There is never a guarantee that things will work. Leeds United would expect everything to work with Cluffy because he was a sensational manager. It lasted 40-odd days. Um, you don't know. They're trying to appoint somebody after after um, Ferguson. They still haven't appointed the right man yet. It's always a gamble. Yes, it was a gamble because this guy had never managed a club of Newcastle United's side with the unique pressure that can bring. If you look at managers that's taken this job, and certainly the managers we had under um, Mike Ashley, there was pressure from day one on Steve Bruce. There was pressure on McLaren. There was pressure on Joe Kinnear. It may well be because we suspect that they weren't good enough, but there's always pressure. Um, So it was a gamble. But you can equally say it's a gamble for, for Eddie Howe because if this didn't work for him... He wouldn't, where would he go next? He'd left Bournemouth once to go to Burnley and for whatever reason, and some of it was personal, I believe, he'd come out of that, it didn't work. So if it hadn't worked again, it was a gamble on both sides. It is always a gamble. And, and sticking with the gamble from Eddie Howe's point of view, he was coming into a club, like you say, he'd never managed a club of this size of where you get this attention from the fan base, takes a very special character to be able to handle that but also the new ownership and all the scrutiny and criticism from certain elements that come with the fact that Newcastle are now partly owned by oh. the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund. And Eddie Howe has been questioned by certain members of the press relentlessly in, in, in some cases about you know taking over Newcastle as manager. How do you think he's handled that? Of course, I think he's done exceptionally well because... It's difficult. There's always going to be more pressure when new owners come in, the richer the new owners are. I mean, if you got the job under Mike Ashley and you could virtually guarantee to Ashley that you would get Newcastle fourth bottom, Ashley would say, job done, because he just doesn't want to go down. Here, fourth bottom's never enough, even this season. Um, If you've got managers with a lot of financial clout they might be wonderful to work to. They might well open the transfer kitty and mean you can buy people that the previous manager, the one before, the one before couldn't. But you've got to do it well 
because these guys will, the silver bullet, and this is not talking about the Newcastle hierarchy, anyone, anywhere along the line that's ambitious, if it doesn't work, cut the losses, get rid, start again. And that includes signings that don't work as well as managers that don't work. And of course, Eddie Howe knows that goes along. But the way he would look at it is, yes, there's a risk value, but when isn't there? And by the way, if I get it right, what a place to get it right. Because we get sick of hearing about, you know, the sleeping giant. Newcastle weren't a sleeping giant. They were a team in, in a permanent co- coma. They were a club in a permanent coma. They weren't having 40 winks. Um, but if, and you will always believe, this is Kevin Keegan's, when I talked to Kevin Keegan about I said, well, you know, what made you take this? You've been playing golf in, in Spain. You've never been in management. You know what management's like. He said, look, Gibbo, if I'd been offered Manchester United or I'd been offered Arsenal or Liverpool, I wouldn't have taken it because I've got so much history to catch up on before it's a level playing field. But you go to Newcastle United, they haven't won anything for Youngs. And by the way, they've won out since. Uh, so it's even longer now. It's the perfect place to go if you've got the courage to back yourself because there's no history. You're not surrounded. You haven't got a manager coming into games like Alex Ferguson goes to Manchester United game and he's sitting up there having won 21 trophies or something and you're sitting down there having won none. That's pressure. At Newcastle, you're going to get the wonderful reaction of a huge, huge crowd who are going to be exceptionally grateful and you haven't got a comparison there's not a Newcastle United manager that's won a bundle load of trophies. The best is, is is Joe Harvey, who won a European trophy. And basically, if you want to be cruel, you could say that's all, because you won the second division championship. Wonderful, but we've won that since, and we shouldn't be in the second division. He won the Texaco Cup, which is Anglo-Scottish and the Anglo-Italian. Can't be dismissed, but they don't exist anymore. And he got to win FA Cup final, but he didn't win it. So, you know, there's not a lot of history where you've got the photographs above your desk looking down on you. Uh, there isn't that. And and uh, that gives you a certain amount of, of freedom. And, you know, he's done it terrifically. And there's comparisons to Keegan, and I see them, like um, certainly the reaction in-house in the dressing room to Keegan and in-house to Eddie Howe. Um, and certainly the young, ambitious guy without a huge background of success in terms of m- massive trophies. Uh, but in other ways, it's not there. And the fact that Newcastle seem to buy well, touch wood, this continues on the idea, but they have so far. Um, but in other ways, not at all, because uh, Kevin Keegan was a complete extrovert, and by his own admission, Eddie Howe's introvert. And so they are different people that way. Hmm. And Eddie Howe's much more of a coach than Kevin Keegan ever was. Kevin Keegan was a man-manager, not a coach, didn't believe in coaching, would get somebody else to coach. Eddie Howe is a top-class coach. Hmm. And we'll get on to how Eddie Howe handles the media. You know, we do know he tends to be a little more caged than other managers, and I'll get John's view on that in just a moment. I just want to go back to the quote when Eddie Howe was appointed he said, it's a great honour to become head coach of a club with a stature and history of Newcastle United. It's a very proud day for me and my family. This is a wonderful opportunity, but there is also a lot of work ahead of us. And I am eager to get in 
to get on to the training ground to start working with the players. I would like to thank the club's owners for this opportunity and thank the club supporters for the incredible welcome they've already given me, and I'm very excited to begin our journey. Um, I don't know about you, John. When you know a lot of that is something that you could take Eddie Howe's name out of and put any other manager, any sure, other player. That's in. what they should say, and he did say. But you get the sense when you know when he when he mentions stature and history, you get the sense that actually. He's, he's probably sat down and read a couple of books, maybe even your own book, and yes. learned the history of Newcastle United yeah. and understands it as well. Yes, and what we've got to remember with Eddie is that he would look at this club and he wouldn't see what so many cynics that's out in the rest of the country see, this club that's never won anything since 69, 55, 27. He wouldn't see that. He would see the biggest club he's ever been associated with. Because really, as a player, he was Bournemouth. As as a manager, he was Bournemouth, with it dipping the toe in at Burnley. He hadn't experienced a club of this size, so that when you do, it's extra, extra special for you. You're going to get excited. He's admitted that he stood out. He's walked out at St James's Park, out the tunnel, and just looked around the ground and thought, and by the way, couldn't have taken over at a better time with war flags rallying round, etc., etc. It is a, a masterpiece. It, it is magnificent to see. Um, but he's, if you dip into that and your heart is not made of ice, and it certainly his is not, you're going to buy into that big time. The thing you've got to do, and this is what I think Eddie Howe is very good at, is that you haven't got to get carried away emotionally, start saying stupid things, and, and then, when things go right, start thinking you can walk on water. Now, I know a lot of people who I would not mention by name, managers in the past and players today who wish to become managers, who, after the, the second half of the season Eddie Howe's just had, would think they could walk on water. Everything they touch turns to gold, and that is a huge problem. You never think for one moment that Eddie Howe, who I think is straight across, is he never gets too elated, he never gets too depressed. He's very but, much the but man at the in the same middle. Time. So what John's just done there to kind of affirm his point was he moved his hand across in a straight line and then up to Yes. But, you, it, but the interesting thing is if you do that, that same gesture for Eddie Howe's standards... It doesn't just stay in that straight line, does it? It goes up, Oh, very, up, very, up. very much, very, very much. And that's the so, refreshing thing about him. Uh, yes, um, the refreshing thing about him I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> we've got a manager that actually puts some thought into it, that actually, and, and he looks like, and I mean this as a compliment, I wish I looked like him, but he looks like a little choir boy, doesn't he? He's got that angelic face and good-looking man, and you think, you know... But the steel underneath oh, that placid, uh, rather pleasant, rather courteous uh, impression of a guy is a man of steel. And I don't think for one second that the first major decisions, you know, are just about to be made. Um, not the ones to bring people in, some of that was made in January, but to send people out. You've got to be tough. You've got to be able to say, Joe Bloggs, to yourself, Joe Bloggs, he's done a terrific job for me. He was the centrepiece of my survival. I don't want to survive anymore. I'm the next step. That's a survival player, not the next step player. Goodbye. Love you to death. Thanks for what you've done. And it was um, 
the old England goalkeeper James had said he was uh, one of the nicest sackings he's ever had in his life come from Eddie Howe and I think he's absolutely capable of doing that and he makes players know how appreciative he is but at the same time I think underneath it all he's tough as old boots and his attention to detail is fabulous and success is built on that not on whims not on oh right We'll, we'll try a five at the back today. Oh, we'll flatten out for the game next week because we're getting a bit more adventures, etc., etc. Work on the training ground. If you haven't got a work ethic, don't buy into Eddie Howe's regime because yeah. it's totally about having a work ethic to go with ability. Those that I've worked with him, they do say that he's hands-on in every single department. Yep. So, and that's something that you know isn't for everybody, but I think that is a, it's a great trait of Eddie Howe. You mentioned there... You know what a great time to take over. He was asked um, a few months back whether he would have still taken the job under Mike Ashley, and his response was, "Yeah, absolutely. I would have been or interested because of the size of the club, its history, the support base, everything connected with Newcastle. They are the reasons I'd be interested in the job." So it just seems like Newcastle is the right fit for him, and it just so happens that it's coming a time when Newcastle have ambitious owners didn't he get lucky that he wasn't offered the job under Mike <laughs> Ashley then because it might have been a different outcome to what it's been in the last six months of course he's bound to say he's, he's a very clever oh, being politically correct yeah. and the answer to that is not oh I wouldn't take a job under under Ashley because immediately the fans think oh uh, did you not want is Newcastle United not big enough for you and of course you don't want to slag the previous owner who who knows, in six years' time, might be offering him a job at some other club. Um, you don't do that. Uh, that is the perfect, correct answer. And I actually think it's the honest answer, because I think if you've come from, if you've come from Bournemouth, where you know how tough life can be, nobody's faulted. I mean, to get in the Premier League with a club of that size is wonderful and well done, the owners. Um, but you know what it is to work off a tight budget and what it is not to have what you want to have. So I think he would have took the Newcastle job. He's just damned lucky that it wasn't offered then and that it was offered with a different set of owners because, um, you know... It, tie your hands behind your back, tie your legs together, throw you in the town and say, right, Houdini, swim. That's what it means to be manager and Ashley. And he, it was good that he wasn't. And um, it's given him a real chance. Put more pressure on him because hmm. he only had to finish fourth bottom under Ashley. He's got to, he's, and he's set the standard now, hasn't he? I mean, you know, if he'd finished fifth or sixth bottom, people would say, did well. How did we get out of that? Nobody has ever stayed up after not getting to win the first 14. But then you've got a significant room for improvement next season. Next season now, he's got to finish above 11. But, but you get the, you get the sense that he definitely relishes that challenge. Of course but he Previous does. managers, you know, they'd finish a certain position in the league then the next season go well look I did that last season that would you know and, and two three years down the line they're still talking about that or oh, that one time finish we had but you get the sense that Eddie Howe really wants to improve season on season no on question season. about that and and what is exciting and let's give some credit to the owners as well here what is exciting is that he will be given the the facility he'll be given the tools to finish bigger yeah when when Pardew somehow fluked fifth top under Ashley and got manager of the year, 
we bought one bloke in Italy in that summer instead of building on it to make us that sort of side. You knew he couldn't repeat that again. Pardew knew it, we knew it, Ashley knew it, etc., etc. We are expecting it to be very different this time, and that is not just because we've got a manager with lots of attributes that we haven't had for ages, but we've got owners that will give them that breathing space, but, that ability to do it. But also owners that expect the improvement as well. well I mean, of that's course, a key difference. That's what I said at the beginning. The, uh, the, the pressure is, the great thing is you want this job because you've got owners that will back you. But they keep you on your tours at the same but, time. Oh, but because just as quickly you'll get the silver bullet if you're letting them down by not getting the results they want. And every manager f faces that sort of problem. It doesn't matter what club you're at or what reputation you've got, you're, you're always a few steps away from the sack. Cluffy got the sack, Wenger got the sack eventually. Great managers, if they stay around long enough, get the sack. So you've got to work under those problems uh, without a shadow of doubt. Just going back to there, Eddie Howe in the media and his press conferences, stark contrast to the previous manager who yeah. was open. Some people would say Steve Bruce was too honest and that led him into saying things which then got him some criticism. How do you rate how Eddie Howe has handled the press, the press conferences and yeah. dealing with the, the media? Very interesting. Um, if you're a press man, uh, and purely think as a press man, as some people that liked Steve Bruce, because he would run off at the mouth, possibly without thinking about what he was going to say, and therefore talking himself an awful lot of trouble by talking gobbledygook, but he couldn't help making statements. Press, that is why so many people in the press love Steve Bruce, because if you're in... If you, as a press man, are only looking at doing your job to the best of your ability and not caring too much or be too fussed about results, then a manager like Steve Bruce is wonderful for you because he gives you a good copy. You know that, Andrew, that, that, that's that thinking. If you happen to be a journalist that would like your club because you were originally a fan before you become a journalist or because you like following success rather than just getting huge headlines and exclusives, then you want your manager to be more cautious than that and to be cleverer than that. And you will never get Eddie Howe. He, I, I believe he sits down before press conference day and puts himself in our place. What will I be asked today? Well, they'll ask me about that injury, they'll ask me about that. The old question of the, <coughs> the owners will come, will raise its head once again. I'll be asked about a lack of goals. I'll be asked about this. And he thinks, what's the, the honest answer that still gives away nothing and is politically correct? And the answer where, which is an art, where in giving his answer, he'll go off slightly a tangent and build a bridge with the fans. And he's very, very good at building bridges with the fans. And this is the thing Keegan had. Although Keegan was more, he was somewhere in between um, Howe and Bruce. Because he had that Ke ability to get a bit emotive sometimes as yes, well. Yes, and he would say, you know, when he was famously, when Ferguson went on a fishing trip with him and just reeled him in, I'd love it, I'd love it, because he knew that he's emotional with his, with his um, 
his heart on his sleeve. You can never imagine Eddie Howe, can you, in front of the camera shouting, and I tell you what, if we beat them on Sunday, I tell you what, I'd love it, love it. You could never visualise that in a month of Sundays. It isn't going to happen. You, this is a, an introvert, if he, as he himself admits, but a, a clever man. And so to some... And you're not going to get exclusives. You would get things with Bushy where he would have his friends in the media that he would talk to in particular uh, uh, rather than some others and he, therefore there was always the possibility of exclusives. You'll not that, that, have that with Eddie Howe. He'll sit and talk to everybody in a group, etc. There's no favourites, no anything. He wants a message out there and it's done my way. And you, you couldn't sucker him into saying something that's remotely controversial unless he really wants to say it do you get the sense though and when things go bad it, it, it sometime in the future you know we will have and it will go on it, a bad it, one it will, over a short period of time it will because yeah. it's physically impossible for it not to it's law and of averages isn't it it is do you feel that when that time comes about and people ask him tough questions you know why did you make this decision why did you bring this player off why did you do this formation He'll take that criticism and he'll answer it. Whereas, again, under previous managers, managers, you felt that when things went wrong, it was everybody else's fault but theirs, and they did not like to be asked yeah, I mean, critical I think questions. Dear old Steve Bruce used to always fall back on uh, "I'm thick-skinned," when in fact, I honestly believe that's the last thing he was. He was very thin-skinned. He got very hurt. He got very, you know, if you if he was poked with a stick. He would come back and say something outrageous uh, or, you know, like he did about Rafa Benitez at one stage, etc., etc. You, you could provoke Bruce into doing that sort of thing. You will not get that with Eddie Howe. At some stage, he will lose it because it's called human nature. He will lose it temporarily. And it doesn't matter which manager you are, you'll go through a little part of the season where you don't win things for half a dozen games. I mean, this year, I think it's at some stage, and we've all said 2022 was the most fabulous year for Newcastle United and Ferdie Howe, but I think he went four games at one time uh, without a win, and he went back-to-back defeats and we were bound to because we played uh, Liverpool and Man City back to back um, so you know you're going to get days where there's where the results and suddenly you wake up and you've gone six matches without a win three draws three defeats and all of a sudden somebody's saying well this is the seventh match you're under pressure for a win what are you? you're bound to get that but um, I, I think he's very level headed he's very straight you know what's coming before it actually comes and that's important isn't it to have that level head on you because yes there was certain questions after the Burnley game or you know what can you achieve now what's the next game and it was just all about you mean the first Burnley game so got the, the first the, win the, the, last, oh, the one, last one the last one, one you know haven't yep. finished 11th gone on this oh, amazing what will happen next season yeah and you know Eddie has to keep not only his own feet on the ground which is you know probably very easy to do but also the fans and maybe to a certain extent as well those above him you know he's got to he's got yeah, to set yeah, out yeah, what yeah, can realistically yeah. be achieved as but, we were talking when yes. we were talking about liverpool man city and arsenal and there is a feeling and that was just the small bit of Eddie Howe coming out of me because there is a feeling that what what we all and i mean geordies uh, i'm not talking about they and me but we all geordies 
get carried away. We've had so much of the bad times that when we get a sniff of the good time, we think, crikey, this is terrific. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? He's got to remind, and you're right, it includes the owners because they are new to football. They're not new to business, but they're new to football. And and with respect, in, in certain businesses, you can buy success because it's all about pound notes. Here, you can try to buy success, but there's no guarantee. Um, there's only a certain number of clubs can win a certain number of trophies. And uh, it's very, very difficult. So I think he has to remind the owners, he has to remind us... Um, that us the fans as well as the uh, press that it isn't as easy as that that it is tough that we have small steps to take and yet when you go in the dressing room and you shut the dressing room door you've got to talk up the players you haven't got to talk them down and say by the way we'll find it hard next season you've got to say right the door's shut we're all in here I tell you what we've got a real chance. If we stick together, play to our strengths, watch each other's backs, get out, and you've got to, so you're dousing it down in the public and you're bullying it up in the dressing room. And just sticking with how he is in the media, I think what stood out when he was on those kind of bad runs, especially towards the turn of the year when, you know, it took him three games to win his first game, so it was in the fourth game it came. He then lost to Leicester City, Liverpool, I beg your pardon, and Manchester City, you know, 11 goals conceded. Uh, he then drew the, the next two games. And, you know, there were little bits of voices from certain elements saying, have, have we got the right man here to get of us out of this trouble? Of course. Uh, but he never he never showed a panicked face when he was getting interviewed. I mean, he never sounded panicked, did he? No, he always calm no, and collective. No. Of course, so. when you get a young manager comes in that wasn't... You see, for some reason, and I'm talking about um, famous pundits, and for some reason, when you're in Newcastle United and the Saudis own 80% of the club, they all think it's big-time Charlie stuff. You know, um, they all expect the signings in January to be Neymar and uh, people like that, which is an absolute nonsense. They expect the manager to be somebody with a CV like Angelotti or something, you know, that's got three European Cups and four this and two that. And, you know, and then when it isn't, and it oughtn't to be, because that's not the way to start off. It might be the way to finish, but it's not the way to start off. There's apprehension. Then when results don't go right, immediately there's oh you oh, have you got the right money is this job far too big this newcastle united's problems were so deep rooted under steve bruce and m much more importantly for a decade and a half under ashley that they were never going to be you were never going to get the honeymoon period where he, he comes in and everything immediately i mean there wasn't players, time for it, was there? There wasn't time for it. No, players were lower in a snake's belly. They'd been told how bad they were, uh, and rightly so. You look at how bad Joe Linton was as a number nine, how bad Kraft was under the last regime, the body language of Ryan Fraser, who looked as if he, he was totally indifferent and not up for the, for the fight. Um, Shaw, who despite his ability on the ball, seemed to make a huge clangor once every game and it normally ended up in the back of the net. And, you know, that sort of thing was happening at Newcastle. It takes a while to reorganise that. It takes a while, however much you've watched a team from afar, like how, to get them on the training pitch, see exactly what's wrong and take the wheat from the chaff and 
decide who's going to be with it. And he was always going to have to try to get us to January and get some of the cavalry in. Mm. Uh, but as I said, the cavalry was terrific. In the main, was terrific in January. But the, 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 the things he did with people like Joe Linton and, and Shaw and Kraft and Fraser when he was fit before his injuries turned them into players I did not recognise I didn't recognise the players we've just finished the season with before Christmas they were they were the same guys with the same names and they looked the same but they didn't play the same and it, and it formed all part of that kind of us against the world mentality didn't it that's what he yeah. was doing when the results yeah. weren't going his way on your cast night's way it was us it was the players it was the coaching staff the owners the fans against the world that's famously what Ferguson did all his career it was the siege mentality you know everybody hates us but we are Manchester and United it, it worked didn't it but what I found interesting was when Frank Lampard was really up against Everton and you know they, they obviously they, they survived but he threw his players under the bus at one point and, yeah. and, and it was a really interesting approach to take and I was just sitting there thinking back to how Eddie Howe was approaching things when they did get beat off Leicester, Liverpool, Manchester City, when they then went and got beat off Spurs and Liverpool, Manchester City later in the season. You know, there was no throwing players under the bus. It was a collective bad performance. It was, we've set the bar, we haven't matched it, no need to panic. And I just found the contrast, given what you said earlier on the show about Lampard as well, the contrast there, it sticks with me now. Absolutely. I think one of the the difficulties I knew when when you look back and think of Lampard and think of how, was, and this isn't an excuse for Lampard, but when you've been Lampard, when you've been the player that's won European Cups, it's been part of the golden generation with England, that has been, without question, a top, top player at top, top, top clubs. And then you take over a club where there's a lot of dross, i.e. Everton, as well as decent players. The temptation to get frustrated and come out without thinking and say, we're not good enough this, and he's not good enough at that, and etc. is great. When you've played at Bournemouth, where you've got to make a silk, purse out of a sow's ear and, and, and you've done that very successful all the time you haven't got this irritation of having such huge standards with expecting players to be that good I mean Lampard will subconsciously expect players to be good as good as he was I mean I always remember being a Gator and getting an old Newcastle United first team uh, as manager and he said to me Gibble this guy can't even trap a bag of cement, he can't do it. I said, I'll tell you what, my son, take it gently. This is non-league football. This is part-time non-league football. If they could do what you did, they would be at Newcastle United. That's why they're here. And this is building bricks. The players that were inherited by Eddie Howe, three quarters of them won't be here when Newcastle win a major, major trophy because they'll not be good enough for that step. They might be here when we win the FA Cup and League Cup because that can happen over the next two seasons with good draws. And that's something that if if I was Eddie Howe, he'll be aiming for, and I'm certain he will be aiming for it. Um, but there's building bricks, and I think Lampard, and he'll regret have done it, 
but he would lose it and he'd be irritated thinking, why did he do that and why didn't he do that? Because that's what he would have done as a player. They're not Lampard's standard and that is the immaturity of Lampard the manager. And we've got to remember, Foley's so young, Eddie when he looks even younger again because of his his face or expressions, um, he's got a little bit of experience in managership and at the hard end, at the cold face, not not at the show busy end, but at the cold face, and that's standing him in very good stead. It's interesting. Just one final comparison with Frank Lampard. We saw the celebrations at Goodison Park when they survived mm. Lampard up in the director's box. You know, waving on the fans who invaded the pitch. You listen to him afterwards, and you contrast that to how Eddie Howe has reacted. Because what Eddie Howe has achieved to get Newcastle out of the position they win, no team has survived when they haven't won any of their first 14 Premier League games, to get Newcastle up to 11th, to get Newcastle at one point into the top 10 on the final day of the season. Oh. Very easy for, for a manager in that position to get carried away. Look at the brilliant job I've done. You know, I've done brilliant. But you listen to him after the game, he said, no, what we had to do was, yeah, we need to continue this winning mentality that we've, we've done in the last few games. He's an introvert. Uh, what happens is, you see, when it's going well, People say he's an introvert, and when it's gone badly, people say he's born. I don't mean him, I mean j- j- people generally yeah. say, oh, the compliment is an introvert, his feet's on the ground, what a shrewd guy this is. When it doesn't go well, they think, isn't this boring? Shouldn't he be doing the passionate thumping and kissing the badge, whatever? He is a different kettle of fish to a lot of people, and it's what's your cup of tea. A lot of people like the mode, a lot of, you see, can you think of anybody different on the touchline, say at St James's Park, if you've got one dugout with Eddie Howe in it and you've got the other dugout with Conte in it, it's it, it Spurs, who's adored by the Spurs fans because he's passionate, apart from Belty, <laughs> which he's got a spades of, but he's also passionate. He jumps round, he leaps round, he... he, he dives on top of coaches, he, he's running around the pitch with his fists up in the air. Now, fans can like that because that is sort of, he's one of us, he cares. That shows you care. And yes, it does show you care, but it doesn't mean Eddie Howe doesn't care because he doesn't do that. But you couldn't imagine Eddie Howe doing anything like Conte does. It's two different sorts of managers and both can succeed. Hmm. Just before we get on to things on the pitch, because we have to talk about the way Eddie Howe has transformed mm. Newcastle as an outfit on the green turf. Just a reminder to please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. Totally free to do. It just means with every new episode we upload, you'll get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to. And please remember to leave us a rating and review. Just helps us get the podcast out to a wider audience and share the pod with your Newcastle United supporting friends and family. Um, I did say we're going to talk about the pitch, but first of all, I just want to read you a quote from Sean Longstaff, mm-hmm. um, which was said over the last few days. Uh, let me just find it in my pads here. So, Sean Longstaff said about Eddie Howe, he made me fall back in love with Newcastle United and playing football. And I think that just sums up the kind of impact Eddie Howe has had on these players and also emphasises just how maybe disenfranchised the squad had become under I was just, Steve yeah, Bruce and Mike Ashley. I was just about to say, it tells you two things, doesn't it? It tells you the impact uh, that Eddie Howe's had and the ability to forge 
a dressing room of say 20 players or a training ground dressing room of 20 players into one um, and it also tells you that that obviously wasn't, wasn't happening yeah. beforehand because he has fell back in love with Newcastle that means he'd fallen out of love with Newcastle and when would that be? And for and for a Sean Longstaff who's North Shields there's 50 minutes down the oh, road and, and adores the club and he had a brother that adored the club his mum and dad are exactly like that uh, dad was a top top local ice hockey player etc etc and you know again we've talked about the secrets of what Eddie Howe's done during this six months and one of them is turning very average or below average players I don't mean Sean I mean the, the ones I've already mentioned in the absolute stars he has also achieved having people like Sean Longstaff who has had a terrific end of the season but before that under Howe was very much the, the man that sat on the bench and nine times out of ten didn't even get on as a sub when you had Shelby in there and Willick in there and Joe Linton in there and then Bruno come along, he was back of the queue. And yet, this togetherness, you know, we, we see the famous photographs after they've had a win in the dressing room where they're all going, yeah, 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 to the camera, and it's been ridiculed by people elsewhere in the country, you know. Do Newcastle celebrate when they get a corner? Never never mind when they get some silverware. Um, what do they do when they get silverware? And at some stage, by the way, this has been absolutely fabulous, but at some stage, if Newcastle get remotely successful, like next season or the season afterwards, they, their end will have to come of photographs in the dressing room because it'll be like, you know, some things taking the knee become a problem. Everybody loves the idea and is 600% behind the idea, but is that time to put one idea in a box with respect and carry on? There will be that situation with these photographs. You can only so long have the siege mentality it's us let's have the photographs etc etc because if you do that a year and a half down in the sixth top of the the league uh you'll get some people in the dressing room saying well, to themselves what are, you know new signings what are we doing here what's what's all this photograph because we won a game it works terrifically to start with it's got to then be slightly replaced but you can keep the siege mentality situation because ferguson made that a career, a lifelong thing, and, and it worked brilliantly for Ferguson. And that siege mentality is really interesting, isn't it? Because you've got players who have played less than little parts in this ah. the season. Dwight Gale, for example, Kieran Clark in the squad, out of the squad. Jamal Lewis, you know, a young lad. I yes, he had the injury, not in the squad. Matt Ritchie, another one who's barely featured under Eddie Howe. But every single player in that squad has bought into the project, regardless of how many minutes they're getting. There's, there's no stories about, you know, discontent no, within the no, dressing room. No, and no, and no. there very well might actually be discontent within the dressing room, but the way it's been approached is that, well, actually, you know, it's all, it, maybe it's coming out in-house, it's not getting leaked out of the press, or actually maybe there just isn't any, and they understand why they're not playing, they understand the direction the club's going, I think and they respect very, it. very, very clever at that, and that takes a lot of man-hours, because I think he, he goes round and he talks to players, at one-on-one, -on -one, not just in the dressing room with the team talk before a game, but one-on-one. -on -one. How's the family? But How's little Joe again? Etc., etc., etc. And it, that's the most difficult thing, time you have, Andrew, is with the fringe players. You know, Bruno knows he's top man. Bruno knows how much you love him if you're his manager. 
Bruno knows this, he knows that. But sometimes Sean Longstaff needs to know, sometimes Matt Ritchie needs to know, etc., uh, etc. Et and that secret of continuing down that road, you know, one of the many problems, and success produces problems, one of the many problems that I'm certain from what he said, how we, Eddie Howe is aware of this summer, is that when we go out to buy good players, a centre-forward, a centre-midfield, a centre-half, a winger, a left-back, a goalkeeper, when we go out to buy them, you're not just looking at ability, you're looking that they don't fracture the dressing room. Because this togetherness is unique, and this togetherness has produced points. There's absolutely no question about that. It has put points on the table uh, because they care as much. Get a bad apple in there, it doesn't matter how good a player he is, and if that erodes, there's a problem. Eddie Howe will be very aware of that and will be trying to judge that to perfection so it doesn't happen with the signings that come in. It's a lot easier to deal with a fringe player, though, isn't it, when it's going well on the pitch? Because it, a lot of people said about Steve Bruce, he was a decent man-manager. You know, he could talk to the players and the players yep, respected him for that. he had a reputation as a man-manager. But the fact that the results weren't happening on the pitch, if you're sitting on the sidelines not getting in, it's a lot easier to then kick up a fuss and say, well, surely I should be in there, you know, you know what are you doing, of why course. are you pick, not picking us? But when the results are going your way, that, that helps. And I guess also the fact that every single part of this club is now pulling in the same direction helps as well. The I mean, owners, the fans, the manager, it's a lot easier to then, if you're sitting on the touchline, to go, okay... Yeah, I understand. I'm not happy, but I understand, and I'm not going to disrupt it. And if you remember, uh, we paid a fortune by Newcastle United standards for Bruno, and he sat out the first three or four or five games on the bench because Willock, Shelby and Joe Linton were doing so well, and he wanted him to get used to the Premier League by looking at it, etc., etc. Now, there's absolutely no question that Bruno was chomping at the bit by the end of that and saying to him, hey, I didn't come here with my reputation as shirt on the back. And, of course, he's quickly established that he's absolutely right. His record's phenomenal, by the way. He scored five goals from 11 starts in plus six as a sub. And he scored five goals. That's like Joe Willock a year ago. In this, from a bloke we were told when he signed, was a defensive midfielder and we shouldn't expect too many goals from him. And and he come out and has been sensational and sensational in his goal scoring. Um, but he sat there and absorbed everything and then was unleashed. Um, and was probably unleashed just in, in time before he burst a blood vessel. Um, but yes, so I think there is uh, a kid glove that Eddie Howe wears, but there's a fist of iron inside the kid glove. Mm, certainly going to be interesting going forward. On to the pitch then, John. You know, you've mentioned there a few players who were regulars under Steve Bruce and didn't hit the highs that you have under Eddie Howe. Yeah. What is the secret? I mean, let's look at let's look at Emil Kraft, for example, because this podcast is quickly turning into a, a Joe Linton love letter, and we will, I don't mean this episode, I mean the podcast in general. Yes, yeah. We will, of course, speak about Joe Linton in a brief moment, but let's look at someone like Emil Kraft, for example, you know, a Swedish international, but he found it tough under Steve Bruce. He found it very tough at yeah. Newcastle United, you know, since he arrived. Yet under Eddie Howe, 
he's because he stepped into a position to replace Kieran Trippier, who is one of the world's fan, most fantastic right backs, even at the age of thirty-one. And you you would imagine he's going to be so over the next couple of years. He'd started his Newcastle United career on fire. He then picks up an injury, and if you're Emil Kraft, you know that takes a lot of mental strength as well to say, do you know what? I can do this. I can do this. And he has not let a single person down either. What's that's the secret? Ab- that's absolutely correct. Um, very simple, but to start with, and this is oversimplification, but to start with, it's confidence. If you feel you're rubbish, if you're irritating the coaches because of the job you're doing, if you're not certain what the coaches want, if you're not certain tactically what Newcastle are playing, one minute you're playing a flat back four under boost, then you're playing a five. Uh, then you're filling in at left back, then you're a centre half, then you're a right back. And if you feel as uh, tactically you're not at the game, it's not crystal clear what the whole team are trying to do and what you have to do individually. If your fitness levels aren't absolutely top-notch, where you're right on top of the job. And, uh, you know, Newcastle fitness levels weren't great when Eddie Howe came to us. Then the confidence, you can see the confidence oozing through Kraft, oozing through Shaw, oozing through Joe Linton, um, confidence that was never there. And that transfers to the crowd. And if you know that the crowd think you're pretty hopeless, this was before Christmas, etc., etc., and the crowd, a section will always let you know there'll be size irritation when you're on the ball and you, you try to knock it down the line and goes out of touch. You know? And you could feel that when Joe Linton was a number nine. You could feel that when Kraft was playing before Christmas. Um, you could feel that with Shaw when he stood on the ball, somebody broke away and it ended up in the back of our net. You start to eliminate that. It's surprising what you find under the shell. You know, you've picked up the shell and, and there's a new player come out, Kraft. And, you know, he was third choice and way, way third choice. He was almost the third runner in a two-horse race when you had Trippier as number one and Manquillo as the backup, and then there was Kraft. And Kraft was a knocking bet to to be, to go in the um, in this summer at that stage. Joe Linton, when he was a number nine, was a knocking bet to be thrown out the club. It was just we're not going to get the forty million back as a centre forward. Yeah, how much are we going to get, and will we cut our losses? But these were the first guys out the door. They're, the, they're not going out the door at all now. It has been incredible. The one single greatest factor in that is confidence. And the arm round the shoulder each day coming in, believing that the manager believes in you, believing in the clarity of where the club's going, believing that tactically every single one of us knows what we're trying to achieve and what we should be contributing personally to that overall picture. That is what players want. Players want to feel safe. Players are like sheep. If you if you don't need a dog to get them to run in the pen, they'll all run in the pen. What they need is guidance like sheep do. And if you give and I've talked to loads of players privately 
today's players and yesterday's players and the superstar players that we've had at this club and they all say the same footballers like to be told what to do they don't like to have to make up their own mind um, nine tenths of them there's always the exceptions and um, I think that is crystal clear at Newcastle now and they're benefiting hugely from that let's talk about the style of player then he's tended to go with four at the back and three yep. across the middle with two w- wingers and then a man up top that seems to be the way you know he, it's the way Eddie Howe yeah, it's, it's, it's looked good on the eye when it's with, when they counter attack teams are find it very difficult to yep. to to stop them. Um, have you been impressed with that? I mean, I, I suspect so, given given how the season's ended. No question at all. No question at all. Um, it is a system which has it's got the Eddie Howe stamp on it. He's always like playing with 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 one man up front and wide men. He's always played with a flat back four at Bournemouth. There's always the occasion to go with a five in a one particular match when you're plugging holes, be it against Liverpool or Man City or whoever. There's always, and that will always happen, and a manager will always deserve the right to do that. But it is the way Eddie Howe plays. For example, he doesn't want to play with a five. For example, he doesn't want to make it lightweight in midfield. For example, he doesn't want to play with two out-and-out strikers through the middle because it leaves holes behind him which on the counter can be picked off by the opposition uh, he's got a very definite way that he that he wants to play and it suits the personnel at Newcastle and it will suit the future Newcastle because he'll buy personnel that buys into that system yeah. uh, he won't buy personnel that you know we're not going to see two like the old days we're not going to see uh Super Mac and Trude, uh, etc., etc. We're not going to see two pronged attack. We're going to see a centre forward, which is why, by the way, a centre forward's got to score more than two goals because he is up there on his own and you're going to get two wide men. And, um, you know, he, he, every team can improve. In the year we have had in 2022, there's only three teams, which is Man City, the champions, Liverpool, who finished second, won two domestic cups and could well, uh, you, you know, in, they've made a final of the Champions League. And Spurs, who have got into the um, Champions League, there's only those three teams picked up more points than us. And yet, so if the season was just starting, we, we would be fourth top. But yet, if this is what you don't do, you don't rest on your levels, because we know this side isn't good enough to go all season and be in the top six. If we played next season with exactly the same squad as we have now, we will not get in the top six, we will not get in the top seven. We might well be about eight or nine, but we will not get. So improvements need to be made and will be made this, um, this summer. But they will fit the jigsaw puzzle there will be the pieces that fit in with the style. On improvements, in the last few games, um, we've seen Newcastle be a little bit more dominant, but the games prior to that, I'm thinking maybe against like Leicester, where they still won, but Leicester had a load more of the ball, they made a load more passes, uh, yet Newcastle were more clinical. Is there a case that there needs to be improvement in terms of Newcastle having more of the ball and being a bit more dominant, or is it you think Eddie Howe will just make sure that his players are even more clinical and it doesn't matter if they only have 39% of the ball because if they have two efforts on goal, Eddie Howe 
would like to think they're in the back of the net and there's the three points. Yes, I mean, that is the bottom line. If it's all about results, uh, it's wrong to say it doesn't matter how you get them because at Newcastle it does matter how you get them because they don't like to see us on the back foot all the time and then galloping up the field with three Usain Bolts uh, in the hope that we can cash in at the other end. I, I don't think uh, Eddie Howe is going to produce the entertainers that Kevin Keegan produced. Where I mean, the only thing missing from a Kevin Keegan team was an overlapping goalkeeper because everybody else went forward, including his centre-half. Philip Alpair was as good in a tracker as anything we've got up top today. Um, and he was playing centre-half. I mean, I was with Dan Peacock last week and I said to him, how lonely were you standing on the burning bridge? He said, uh, honestly, I needed a loud hailer, Gibbo, to shout, Philip, get yourself back here, because he was so far up the field, galloping up the left wing to cross the ball. And, uh, hey, it was successful. We finished second top of the Premier League two successive seasons. You're not going to get Eddie Howe doing that, but equally, you're not going to get Eddie Howe playing the, the, the Steve Bruce way. There is a compromise, and that's what will be. And he is a front-foot coach. There's absolutely no question about that. And he will be more front-foot as he gets better players than he has been this season without being gung-ho. But there was a lot of fear from certain people that Eddie Howe would come in and his defensive capabilities oh, yes. weren't, weren't up to scratch. But actually, Newcastle's defence, for all the opposition have more of the ball, Newcastle's defence do very well in shutting most teams out. And I know they were thumped by City and they've had a few results where they have conceded a few it's, goals. It's funny, isn't it? Because I was looking at the, the stats over the full season. You and, looking at stats? Yes, because I thought if I'm going to talk to you, I better know something about <laughs> stats. Uh, just, just to see if they confirmed what I already thought. And in the main, they did. But what is interesting, if you just take stats, there's huge room for improvement in Newcastle because the top goal scorer had eight goals. Now, I'm not blaming Callum Wilson because goals per game is fine. He just doesn't play enough games. But your top goal scorer's got eight goals. There's room for improvement. Not even in double figures. And then you look at the defence and we let in however many it is. Maybe it's 68. Um, now, that was over the beginning of the season where we let them in for fun. But, therefore, you need defenders. And, yes, um, twice on this wonderful 2022, we let five in at Spurs and five in at Man City. Now, they have two wonderful attacking sides, Song and Kane and Man City. We know them all. Um, but at the same time, that's a long bells because you, you you capitulate. I mean, we got to half time with Spurs and we were okay, and we ended up letting five in. We let a lot in the second half at Man City. We've got to stop doing that. You know, it, it's all right losing two one there. Well, it's not all right. You want to get something, but it, it, it's acceptable. But to lose five twice, so there's room for improvement both at the back and up top. And we all know we need a centre-forward. But why do you think Eddie Howe is trying to buy a centre-half and a left-back? He only plays four at the back. He might buy a goalkeeper, I know. But he, but he only play four at the back. But And they've done terrific, you're right, in the second half of the season. But he's going to replace half the back four. Because he's going to put a centre-half in and a left-back in. Mm. So it's there a, is room for improvement. And there has to be improvement. No, one hundred percent. It is needed. Um, I mean, Newcastle—they conceded sixty-two goals 62. over the season, 
And there were, of course, as you mentioned there a few times, they were absolutely thumped uh, under Eddie Howe. But for the large part, it was a go here or there. Yeah, um, the, the back was shown up to what it had been in the first half of the season with two massive exceptions, which were Spurs and Man City. The question is then, before I ask you kind of what's to come this summer, how you think Eddie Howe is going to maybe approach the transfer market in, in next season, we've mentioned earlier in the show the fact that these owners are going to demand... You know, yep. success, not necessarily maybe winning a trophy next season, but nope. a season on season improvement. Yep. There are certain people who believe that, you know, if it doesn't start very well next season, if the, there isn't a, a visible improvement, that Eddie Howe could be moved on because, you know, you, we've seen it with Manchester City. Managers don't tend to hang around a bit. I don't think, I don't necessarily buy into that. I think he. I, I, I find it absolutely preposterous that at this given moment, there's talk of Eddie Howe being replaced. Oh. I mean, we, we, we got uh, talk earlier during the good spell whether Mourinho would be the answer. Well, I don't care that Mourinho has won the first trophy for Roma since uh, for 60 years or something, and it's it's almost the, it's the fourth European trophy uh, in the pecking order. Mm. I mean, the conference. I used to play in the conference. It wasn't you. <laughs> it was with Gates. Um, but, you know, uh, and then you get somebody as respected as Rio Ferdinand just saying in the last week or so, that Newcastle will at some stage ditch Howe and take uh, Unai Emery, which was the first choice last time. Why? At this stage, and I know what everybody's thinking, they still can't believe, outsiders that perhaps don't see it day to day, oh, he's done unbelievable. They all say that he's done better than they expected, but still expecting to go. You know why? Because they don't think he can repeat it next season. They think it's a honeymoon period, the famous words. Uh, there wasn't a honeymoon period. We, we started off with poor results and they've got better through hard work. There wasn't a honeymoon period, but that's what they see. And they see, Eddie Howe, he can't keep this going. They didn't think he could do it to start with. Now he can't keep it going. And, and so he's going to be replaced. Why every young manager has got to start in the big time somewhere. I was over, I for the Chronicle, I went over and stayed with Bobby Robson in Porto for four days to because he was having so much success abroad as a manager and he was a Geordie, let's do a story about him. And saw this young man who was sitting next to him who was an interpreter who happened to turned out to be Jose Mourinho, which he gave him a chance at Barcelona to be his number two on the coaching side and look what he become. Um, so he needed a chance. We took Kevin Keegan. The most exciting period, exciting, the most successful period in my time reporting on Newcastle, which is 56 years, my, the most successful time was Joe Harvey. The most exciting time was Kevin Keegan. Kevin Keegan has spent eight years playing golf in, in Spain, hadn't managed a football club in his life when he came to Newcastle United. So everybody's thinking, oh, he's only got the job because he's a legend up there from when he played for them at the end. And he'll be hopeless. Amanda, when's he going to go? When's he going to go? Wait a minute. He went from nearly into the third division to second top of the, of the Premier League. So there's no reason why this journey can't be done under... Eddie Howe. Having said that, and having sent, spent all this program telling you what a good manager Eddie Howe is, we've got to say that football is all about today, and Eddie Howe will know this. 
It's not about tomorrow, because tomorrow never comes. When tomorrow comes, it's today. Tomorrow never comes. It's about today, and the past doesn't matter. You, you, you find out you've got great managers that get the sack because the good times were yesterday, not today. It's about today. And Eddie Howe will hit a blip. Hopefully, it'll be halfway through next season. It'll be five matches without a win, and then off he goes mm -hmm. again. But he knows only too well the job is never done. When you suddenly start thinking, you've cracked it, you've got the formula, you've got the magic wand, I've got to go out there and it'll happen. It doesn't. Uh, so he will be scrutinised almost game by game, never mind season by season. Uh, but you've got to give him huge credit for what he's done. You've got to show faith in him and you've got to stick with him and say, where can we go until you can go no further? Mm. And I think when that blip does say, I, I don't know about you, John, but I just feel like the the owners aren't going to run this like everyone expects them to do. I think when anyhow hits a blip, I think, you know, he'll he'll be afforded more time than others would have been at other Big other clubs that have been taken over yeah, by big they, owners. They're I think not running it as the richest club in no. the world, uh, with all the connotations of of that. Yeah, they're not running it in that way, and it's like anything else, Andrew. It depends on how big the blip is. What's a blip? Is a blip five games or is a blip five months? Uh, it, it depends. It also depends on a multitude of things. A two major things, and this is a generalisation, not just about Eddie. Two major things it depends on is how much the dressing room stay with the manager during the blip and how much the fans stay with the manager during the blip because they are crucial to the success of the club and the owners will be looking at that. Are the dressing rooms still 100% with the manager? At whatever stage, whether the manager's Eddie Howe or somebody else. And are the, the fans? Because they know what the fans are like. They know what happened under Rafa Benitez and what's happened now under Eddie Howe. They equally know what happened under Steve Bruce, what happened under Steve McLaren, what happened under Joe Kinnear. They know this crowd is the most wonderful crowd in the world when they're with the manager and the team. They're a huge obstacle when they've got no faith in the way things have been run. So you've got to keep the dressing room and you've got to keep the fans. To finish off then, out of ten... How would you sum up Eddie Howe's time so far? Nine and a half. Fantastic. And what's to come? Hopefully more of the same. Uh, because everybody's pulling in the one direction, and that's from the boardroom down to the management, to the coaching officers, to the dressing room, and hugely important, the fans on the terraces. Uh, it is important we stay as one. Um, and if we do stay as one... If we buy with the shrewdness that we bought in January, where four of the five signings were absolutely outstanding, um, if we do that again in the summer and we buy good characters as well as good players, then there's only one way this club is going. It's just how fast do we go uphill or how much we take our time in going uphill. But we're only going in one direction. Eddie Howe is a very, very shrewd man. If he wants to take a shortcut, he'll the, the only shortcut open to him is the two domestic trophies, the two domestic knockout cups, the League Cup and the FA Cup. You can win that quickly. 
you can't win other things quickly, including European qualification, especially for the Champions League, but certainly for the uh, Europa League as well, not the third one. Um, but you can short-circuit it if you get the right draws. I mean, I'm sick of if Steve Bruce telling us 12th finish, 13th finish, and I got to the quarterfinals or something at the two cups. Yes, you did. But the first time you played a decent side, you got beat. When we had those two cup runs under Steve, the first time we played a half decent side, we got beaten. So that's why we had the cup run. If Eddie Howe gets the same luck on the cup draw that gets us early, early results and gets us up and running with the fans behind us and with war flags behind us and with the players united and everything else, we can win one of the two domestic cups quick. And if we do, you may as well pull that fella off the top of Gray's Monument and put a statue of the next manager that wins a major trophy at Newcastle United can go on the top of that. Never mind Shearer's statue and never mind Bobby Robson's statue. The next manager wins something, he'll be on top of Gray's Monument. And uh, maybe Zeddy Howe would like to be that person and maybe he'll win something at Wembley. And my Jove, would I love that. We all would, and fingers crossed. You never know what might come next season. John, thanks for popping on to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. You guys listening, please do remember to like and follow the podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk about Eddie Howe. We will bring you another episode, which we're going to title Let's Talk About, dot, dot, dot. So look out for the second episode in this series. John, who should we talk about next, do you think? Joe Linton? Well, Two of the most obvious, there's three obvious ones from my point of view to talk about. One is Joe Linton because this, this, the Switchnam's been quite phenomenal. One is Callum Wilson because we have number nine legends. And one is St. Maximum, should he stay, should he go? Uh, so I think there's three subjects which Newcastle fans would debate long and, and loud. And... I'm pretty good on long and loud. So <laughs> I, I think you you can pick something out of those three. We'll eventually probably do all three. Definitely. And you guys can get in touch via the email. The email address is the E-I-B-W podcast at reachplc.com. You can drop your suggestions in there and tell us what you would like us to talk about next in this series. And you can get in touch with me as well on Twitter at AD Musgrove. So thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week.